We've been talking for the last little bit about all kinds of stuff about examining ourselves. Let me see a show of hands if you've enjoyed examining yourself. I have. My flesh didn't like it too much. My spirit man loved it. And it goes on every day. Renew your minds daily. What he's teaching us in the word. So this morning we're going to get taught some more. That's what God wants to do. You see, he's touched and healed many people in this congregation. Raise your hands if you've received a healing from God. I don't care what it's about. Look at this. Look around you. Just look around you at the hands that are raised because that's a testimony for what God has done. He hasn't changed. He is still touching and healing. He is still delivering the lost. He is still growing up those that get saved. Every one of us sitting here today are at a different level spiritually. Just like our kids, we see differences in age sitting here this morning. Age has nothing to do with where you are with God, but it is a picture of where we are in Christ. Some have a little more knowledge, maybe a little more faith. But as we grow, that's what we let him do. I've got a fellow brother back there gave me a, an armband this morning and says, nothing's too hard for God. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. There is nothing too hard for God. Whether it would be within our nation, whether it be within your home, whether it be within you as an individual, there is nothing too hard for God. Don't think that there is. That is what the devil wants you to believe, that we can't be overcomers. God's given us everything in the Word that we need. And therefore, our walk after the day we get saved is about now growing in Him and maintaining our spiritual victory. You're living in a place of victory this morning. I don't care how bad it seems, you are standing, if you are in Christ Jesus, in a place of victory this morning. So then we can walk with our heads held high. I'm not talking about being, being self-centered and self-righteous. I'm talking about we can keep looking up to Him. Because there's nothing too hard for Him. Nothing. Maintaining the victory. Anybody ever felt like you ain't had the victory or that you're losing, that it's slipping? Hey, it's only 10 minutes to 7. <laughs> Glory to God, I got five hours to preach. <laughs> Woo! I ain't got that much, but somebody be ready with something so we can just keep on carrying on. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't worry about it, boys. Don't worry about it. When they start, when they start walking out, I know it's time to quit. <laughs> We're going to hold on to Jesus this morning because he's got something for us. We're going to turn to the Bibles this morning in Joshua chapter 24. Whew. Now here's Joshua. This chat, he's getting to the end of his days. Now you know about his story. I'm not going to go into it real big, but he was one of the guys that actually believed and trusted. That's how they got to the promised land. In the land of Canaan, it, it kind of stands for our victor, victorious life as a Christian. Are you living in victory today? See, God's plan is not only for us to have eternal life, and we thank God for that, but His plan is for us to have a victorious life, an abundant life. That's what Jesus promised. I give you life and give you life more abundantly. 
Now, I don't have a whole lot more stuff than I have. Actually, I do got a little more stuff. God's given me some stuff, too. And I give him the glory because it all came from him. And y'all know my story. There's been some times I got some stuff I didn't ask God about, and, you know, he let me know about it. Y'all remember the camper that sat out here forever and a day? I didn't ask him about buying it. He let me go ahead and do it. I tried to get sell, sold uh, to sell it, and everybody wanted it, but nobody wanted to pay no money for it. Yeah, we got the T-shirt, every one of us, if, we, if we'll be honest. If we'll be honest. But he came to give us abundant life. That's what he tells us in John 10.10. 10. That's where it's at if you want to look it up or write it down in your notes. But you see, the devil is a sore loser. And he tried to uproot God's people from the land of Canaan where he, they were put. He's the one that will try to dissuade us and evict us from the life of victory that we ought to have in Jesus. That's the stuff that we face every day, every day. That's the stuff that we face. He's trying to evict us. You see, it's sad if you lose your wealth. And it's sad if you lose your health. But if you lose your walk with God, folks, it's a tragedy. Don't think that the day you said, Jesus, come into my heart, I'm saved. Don't think that the devil didn't stop. Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's still coming after us, and he wants us to lose victory. And it's up to us. Let's go into Joshua 24. And I'm going to read a little bit this morning so that we can uh, get, a, get, a, get, a, get an idea. In Joshua 24, 1, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now, folks, when you see thus says God, pay attention to nothing else. Because he is the authority. He is everything. Thus says the God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times. And they served other gods. Now we're talking about before they crossed the Jordan coming into Canaan land. They spent a long time trying to get there. All because of their unbelief and not wanting to follow God and whining and complaining. You got that in your spirit today? Daily you need to wake up and ask God help me with my whining and complaining. Because we are coming up on Thanksgiving. And we're supposed to give thanks in all things. And the devil... That's one of his tricks that he likes to use is to take us down. Where was I? And they whore and dwelt on the other side of the, uh, verse 3. How'd y'all like that? You want me to read the whole thing like that? <laughs> then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river. So who took him? God did. And led him. Do you see that? He leads us daily. Hold on to him. He will lead you where you need to go. He'll lead you on Tuesday if that's where you're going. Let him lead you. Talk to him. Let him lead you. When it's time to do a Sunday school class or time to do a youth class or a Wednesday night class, you need to be in prayer and you need to talk to God because he knows who's going to be here. He knows who needs what. And let him lead you. Trust me. You'll find out. Angel taught this Wednesday because we had church here too, by the way. You could serve here or you could go up there and serve. It didn't matter. There were people up there serving at the trunk retreat. That's okay. 
For some people that don't go, guess what? We had church. We had the church open, and Angel was scared to death that she was going to run out of stuff. By the time she got done, she says, I'm going to need another day to finish it up. That's what God does when you follow his leading. And by the way, she answered some questions and stuff, excuse me, that me and Sweetie was talking about just earlier in the day, giving us all the answers that we need. And led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Who did the giving? God did. Who did the leading? God did. So let's, let's keep reading. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. All these little babies walking around here. Anybody got a baby coming? Oh, I was getting ready to say glory to God. Got babies here, and I and I, I think I spoke a word of prophecy this morning. And this is a joke, y'all. This is not real. I'm telling you before I say it. But I just uh, there's a habit. Walked up in the kitchen in Sunday school this morning, and, and uh, said to Ashley, "Good morning, pregnant lady." And I thought she was gonna stab me with a knife. <laughs> she said, "Not yet." Bobby, where's he? Bobby over here helping. Just habit said it, and I told her, I said, that must have been a word of prophecy. She said, you better unprophesy that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Got the stuff in my throat. Thank you so much. Y'all excuse me just for a moment. You said I didn't even like to go to restaurants because I thought people was watching me eat. Since you Jacob and Esau, to, also, to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. I also sent Moses and Aaron. You see what God's doing? I plagued Egypt. The plagues came so that the people of God could see what God was doing. Didn't affect them. I've said before, how'd you like to be in Moses' shoes? You've been seeking God, you see him on a mountaintop, and it's in a bush that will not is not consumed by fire. And he says, go in here, and then when you get there, he says, now go in and talk to Pharaoh. Okay, God, I'm going. Oh, wait a minute, God says. What's that, God? Well, I'm going to harden his heart, and he ain't going to do it. Now, can you imagine that? Because God had a plan, and you know what? He didn't share with, with Moses what his plan was. Maybe he wouldn't have went. I don't know. But God had a plan. I plagued Egypt, is what God said, according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. You see, where you're at is what God did. And hang on to him. Hang on to him. I brought your fathers out of Egypt and came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers and chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord. What did we just do before we started having this message this morning? We cried out to the Lord. And we need to be crying out daily, not just in church on Sunday morning, not just at prayer service on Sunday night, not just on Wednesdays. We need to be crying out to God every day, talking to him all day long. It's okay. People might look at you like you're a nut, but that's okay. You talk to your heavenly father. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what you get from God. That's what matters. And though they cried out to God, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptian. 
Who brought that about? God did. Can you imagine a big body of water just rolling back and then walking on dry ground? And the timing was perfect. Didn't every one of them get killed because the chariots were bearing down on them? The timing was perfect. The last guy gets out, gets his foot up off of there, and the waters come crashing in on Pharaoh's soldiers and he kills them. So don't worry about God's timing. Sleep good at night. He's got it. God's got this. Hang on to him. Whew. And your eyes saw what I did in, in Egypt, and then you dwelled in the wilderness a long time. We just had a testimony of hands that was raised because God has healed people. He still does it. He changes not. And our eyes see what he did. Sometimes we have memories and we need to hold on to those memories because those memories let us know sometimes when the devil's just pulling and tugging on you. Hey, this is what God did and he ain't changed. So we just hang on to that. I brought you, verse, verse 8, I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Now this could be a long preaching right here, by the way, y'all, because we could go through every one of these little stories that they had but we also know that they came out victorious, so we'll skip all the other. There's a lot of good meat in there, so read it on yourself on some of these things. Who dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. You're going to have some fighting. And I gave them into your hand. You see, if you've got victory going on today, it's all because of what God did. Amen? You got victory, it's what he did. I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Don't worry about the enemy. God's got it. And we're talking about maintaining our victorious life. We're just laying the groundwork. And then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. You remember me talking about Balaam several months ago? We're not going to do that one again. Just remember it. Go back and read it if you don't remember it. But God wouldn't listen to him. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. See, God will get you out of anything you're facing. Anything, any trap the enemy lays, he'll get you out of it. You just hang on to him. Amen. That's how we hold on and maintain our victorious life. Verse 11. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Jobsites. Let me know. All the sites. But I deliver them into your hand. You got victory because God delivered it into your hand. Don't worry about the army and the enemy, how big they are. You serve a God who has got stuff that he created on the days of creation. We still don't know about. We know about a whole lot. DNA, God's known about it all along. Think about it. We think we're something because we discovered it. We can throw people in jail because now your DNA's on it. Not only do we got fingerprints, which everybody's got a different one. 
Everybody's got different DNA. God did that in the beginning, folks. He didn't need science to figure it out. He didn't need a bunch of guys with PhDs and LSD. LSD. Bunch of stuff going on inside of our minds. He didn't need all that because he created it out of nothing. So God's got it. He'll deliver the enemies into your hand. Verse 12, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. You didn't do it. You see, folks, whenever healing happens, Brother Robbie, I, I know it's already here. It's just a matter of time. I feel it so strong in my spirit, my friend. It's a matter of time. God's got a plan and a purpose. You just hang on to him. You tell Larry what he's got to go for. They'll fill y'all in on that later on, maybe. Because God's got it. And maybe he needs to wake us up. Maybe he needs to wake this community up and maybe that's the way that it happens because in the end of the day, in the end of the day, when he walks in here and says, I'm cancer free, when he walks in here for that, who's going to get the glory? We can fast 20 days a month if we want to, 24 hours a day, we can do it for six months and yes, we're supposed to do those things. But at the end of the day, God is the one that did it and only he gets the glory. Not the preacher, not the guy in the pew. God and him alone. Because if that glory goes to any other, God is a jealous God. And so we got to put him back where he belongs if he's out of place in our hearts. As individuals and as a congregation. He's got to be, in, he's got to be on the throne. God's got it. God's got it. Because <laughs> it ain't by our power or our might, but only by him. Verse 13. I have given you. Who did the giving? God did. I've given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. That goes against American society, don't it? Get out and earn your own way. Yeah, you need to learn how to do for yourself, but you know what? That ain't how God works. I gave you what you didn't put into it. And that's where jealousy will creep in among us if we ain't careful. We're talking about maintaining our victorious life. I wrestled with that for the longest time. I followed Brother Murphy, a great man of God, who God, through God, through him, built what you see here. But it's God's glory. I used to struggle with that. Who am I? It ain't about who I am. It's about who he is. Amen. It's all about him. And he can do it and he will do it. And we got to hold on to that. Woo. But here we come to some critical verses. It's where Joshua gets big with them in verse 14. Now therefore, so you see there's a now therefore. God did all this for you. Now therefore, and that means pay attention, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Amen. Serve the Lord. 
We were serving Wednesday night. We were in different locations, but that's not a place where we're divided on. We were in different locations serving the Lord. Some of you will stick around for the thing today. Some of you may not. I don't know. You follow what God gives you. Serve the Lord. In verse 15, And if it seems evil you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, my goodness, I wish every dad and every mom sitting in this congregation and those that you know had that in their hearts that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Boy, life will be a whole lot different. We will serve the Lord. You see, he tells them, now therefore serve the Lord. Now therefore fear the Lord. I want to do that one first. See, fear. Did you know that fear can cause you to lose your walk with God? It sure can. We can get casual. We can get careless. We can lose our all of God. We can lose uh, the respect that God deserves. And we can lose the fear of the Lord. Now we're going to talk about that for a minute. It's good to fear the Lord. We're going to hit some scriptures. Just write them down because I'm going to go fast. They plug the clock back up. <laughs> Psalms 25 and 14. I'm going to read it to you. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Do you want God to reveal wonderful things to, to you? Then fear the Lord. In Psalms 31 and 19. Oh, how great it is, is, is your goodness, which you have laid upon those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You see, God's laid up good things for you and me. Did you know that? And if we fear him, that's how you go to the places of the good things. If you don't fear him, then you're not serving him. Now, we don't reward our kids for bad behavior, do we? Why don't we? Well, it ain't right. Why ain't it right? Got something to do with the Word of God? Has everything to do with the Word of God. So, He's not going to reward us neither for bad behavior. He's got good things laid up for us. Psalms 33 and 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy. Would you like to, for God with his, his wonderful eye to watch over you and to guide you, to guard you, to gladden you and to keep you. Would you like that? Then fear the Lord. This is in the Bible. I'm reading the Bible to you. In verse uh, Psalms 115 and 13, He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Do you want a blessing? Let me see your hands if you want a blessing this morning. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want a blessing? Then you've got to fear the Lord. Hmm. In Psalms 147.11, one more and then we're done with a bunch of scriptures. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His mercy. Do you want to please God? By the way, folks, if you please God, it doesn't matter what people you displease. 
That was a good amen, yes. And by the way, if you displease God, it really doesn't matter what men think either. Amen. Amen. So we need to fear the Lord. Now we're not talking about a superstitious fear. You know, you break a mirror and you got seven years of bad luck. Walk with crutches and you'll get a broken leg. Ride a wheelchair, you're going to be in a wheelchair. Black cat runs across the road, make the X, toss it over your shoulder, they call that bunch of junk. You know what I'm talking about. That's superstitious fear. That's what it is. It's superstitious fear. It ain't of God. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I could, I could rattle a bunch of them off, but we're out of time for that. But here, let's look in Mark. Four and thirty-seven, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, that's talking about Jesus, was in the stern, also asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. We've had some bad storms this summer. Wouldn't you like to have experienced that? A hurricane's coming, and all of a sudden it just goes away. I'm not talking about it turned out and went back out in the ocean. I'm talking about, oh, it's getting bad. Everybody get out. It's going to be rough. We're looking at 25-foot seas. It's going to be here in four hours. It's going to be here in three hours. It's going to be here in two hours, and all of a sudden it's gone. Now that's what Jesus did. Now let's keep, keep reading. And, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, fear and faith, they don't go together. I know this is tight. Yep, we're human. We're also children of God who can be overcomers. Why is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you see that? Fear showed up twice, and he rebuked one of them because it was a superstitious fear. Well, we're going to die. How would you like to be like Jesus in the storm snoozing? Boats taking on water, tossing here and there to and fro, but he's trusting in the Father. He ain't worried about it. And he says, where's your faith? Why is it that you're so fearful? But it turns right around and said then they had a fear. They had a healthy fear. They had a reverence for God. You see, there is a difference. You see, a pilot is not afraid to fly. But he has great respect for something called gravity. Amen? That's respect. He has a respect for that. Did you know what the difference between a slave and a son is? slave, he fears the whip of the master. The son fears displeasing his father. See, we don't want to displease God, do we? Amen? We've got some more ground to till here, y'all. I've got to move on, Jack. You see, we should never get careless about our Christian life. We should never lose our reverence for God. 
Reverence for God is not how we act. Little kids was in here the other night tossing a ball. Forty years ago, you'd throw them out of the church because they're tossing a ball. I'd rather them be here in this church tossing a ball back. There ain't nothing to break. Right? You may not agree with me, and that's okay. But I wonder how many kids that we're talking about maintaining your faith. We're talking about maintaining your victory. I wonder how many kids have lost that victory because somebody beat them up over something. So frivolous. I chew chewing gum when I get around y'all. I do that out of respect for you. I want you to stick around and talk to me. <laughs> Brother Murphy told me he had to raise his right hand, put his hand on the Bible kind of thing, and promise he'd never chew gum as a pastor. What's that about? Huh? Well, thank God we've grown and we see past that, right? Now, I don't want to spit it out on the floor while I'm talking to you because then you'll see the gum flying and you'll forget everything you said. Well, the preacher, <laughs> I ain't too close to you. I'm back away from you. We're safe. Amen. But think about it. Think about what I'm telling you this morning. Is it worth that? Is it worth somebody sitting in jail because they walked away from God because we taught them a, a, an unrealistic fear or reverence of God? See, the realistic fear and reverence of the God is something totally different. It's something totally different. You trust in him. You know who he is. You know what power that he has. That's what fear of the Lord is. Fear him who can destroy both body and soul. And can't nobody else do that. You can take me, you can kill me, you can take out a gun and shoot me right now. You can't touch my soul. That can't happen. But God can. Did you hear what I said this morning? God can. We're talking about maintaining our victory. But God can. Mm. He tells him also, he said, fear the Lord, but he also says, serve the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. You see, to serve God is to worship God. It ain't just the saying. It's the doing. It's the telling somebody what they need to hear. It's the, it's the getting in and studying the scriptures. That's the service. It's being out in the community and talking to people and telling them about Jesus. Let your little light shine. They may not get it today. They may not get it tomorrow. But at some point, they may get it. I still believe in the power of the gospel. How about you? So we tell people about Jesus. And that is serving him. That is serving him. My goodness, that's serving him. And it's worship to him. It's not just about doing the things, baking the cakes. I mean, we're doing this over here. We're serving God. But it ain't just about making a pot of beans, chili beans, and some cornbread so we can send money over to the Czech Republic. It is about that. But we don't, we don't get on our high horse and say, you know, I made four, four pots of beans. How many did you make? That ought to be a clue right there. It ain't about God. It's about how you're going to look at me. And it shouldn't be how you look at me. It should be how we see God and perceive him. We're to serve him with sincerity, it says. Sincerity simply means without blemish. You remember back in the day when they sacrificed the animals, they had to be without blemish. You and I are a living sacrifice. 
and therefore we're to serve without blemish. We're talking about maintaining our life of victory, folks. I need to put that into you. I need you to get that this morning. You see, when I got saved, I gave that all I knew about Jesus, I mean about me, to all I knew about Jesus. The day I got saved over there, I couldn't find John in the Bible. But I got saved. The day you got saved, you might not have known a whole lot, but you got saved. There was something that happened at that moment that you invited God in. But I'm going to tell you, since I have been saved, I've done a whole lot more repenting than I did on the day that I got saved. I didn't know everything I had done wrong. All I know is I needed Jesus. And he said, all right, I'm coming in. You invited me, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. I'm coming in. And ever since then, I don't know if it's a day gone by. It probably has because of my, my slackness. That he ain't showed me something and says it's time to repent. It's time for us to take care of this. That's what he's telling us. It's time for us to take care of this stuff that's going on in us. That the more we learn about Jesus... The more we learn about ourselves. And that's what we're doing here. That's what we've been doing for the past 18 months or so. Learning about ourselves so that we can be these workmen for God. Now I can tell you this, sincerity is no substitution for truth. And truth is no substitution for sincerity. See, if you worship the Lord in sincerity without truth, you're a fanatic. they got a show coming on one of the TV stations, I think, here this month, and it's about the Jonestown. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People follow this nut. Hmm. And that makes a fanaticism. If we worship the Lord in truth and not in sincerity, then that makes us a legalist. We start talking about all the do's and the don'ts of the Bible, and then we start examining one another. Brother Murphy said something in Bible studies the other night, and he said it a bunch, and it stuck in my craw a long time ago. And that is, you listen to the preaching today, you listen to the word today or last week or whenever, don't use the shovel and throw it on the other guy, but use the rake and pull it in. And that is so true. Because otherwise, we become a legalist. But if you worship the Lord and serve the Lord in sincerity and truth, then is when, and only then, will you become a beautiful Christian. The light will shine. You see, we don't let a whole lot of stuff get in our way. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that's in every heart today. But he also told them in that last scripture that we read, he said to put away, put away the gods which your fathers served. We have to do that. You see, there's always weeds from the old life that want to be resurrected. Me and Carson know about this real well. I don't know how many of you gardening here. Waylene does. She don't even like the hose, she told me one time. I reckon you do, though, don't you? You just don't like it. I don't either. I wish stuff growed in the wintertime so I could hoe and it was cool. But it don't. But this stuff is always trying. If you, 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 I tell you what, you can pull them up by the weeds and if you don't throw that thing out of the garden, if there's any moisture... I mean, you mess with your plant and it dies. Mess with a weed, as long as that root's touching the ground, it'll start taking root again and jump right back up. And see, that's, what, that's what we, how we have to look of things that we must put away. 
You see, there are, are those hangover sins, those ones that are deep inside of our hearts that people don't know about. You see, your reputation is what people think about you. Your character is what God knows in the private times. And you, by the way, we know. We know. You know and I know. This is not just you. This is on me too. So we have to be careful that those things or those little old little gods, they don't come back into our life because they will if you're not careful. Have we, have anybody know anybody that's walked away from the Lord? They served and then all of a sudden now they ain't? That's a sign. They usually have some kind of religious bent on it on why they do it or don't do it. You understand what I'm talking about? Well, we got this going on. Well, I didn't like the preaching over there, so I went over here. You, the problem is you ain't facing yourself, and that's exactly what you're going to do the rest of your days. I'm going to do the rest of my days is face me. The biggest idol i got to worry about is who? Me. Self. So, those little gods, we've got to be careful that they're not resurrected. And, and some of these gods would be one called mammon. It's wealth. The god of mammon was wealth. Do we follow the wealth? And let that get between us and God. You better take care of it if it is. Because we're talking about what? What I call this, I'm going to read it off to make sure I didn't say it wrong. Maintaining the life of victory. See, we can't serve both God and mammon, the Bible tells us. Another one is called Bacchus. Bacchus has to deal with drunkenness, drugs, debauchery, and all kinds of pleasures. That's a God, a real God that was in the world. Aphrodite or Venus, who do, who, would, who do you think they're about? Sexual lust and promiscuity. Mm. Mars. Mars is the god of wars and hatred and revenge. Watch the news channels. We got hatred and revenge going on, and them people are shoveling it, and everybody that's buying it, oh, you should not be buying it. You shouldn't be buying into all that stuff. Because as long as you will buy it, they will sell it to you. Pushing it, pushing it. I've gotten tired of watching the political stuff. See, the only, only social media I got is Twitter. I don't have to talk to nobody. Don't take that the wrong way, preacher. Woo-wee. <laughs> there are less drive-bys on that than there are on the other. Let me put it that way. <laughs> About to get myself in trouble, isn't it? Can't stand drive-bys. The devil's the one that nips at your heels from the back. Godly people stand up and talk to each other. They got a difference, they stand up and talk. And they let God help them to work it out. He gives us every tool we need. We should never be mad at one another. We should never have a falling out with one another. Because God gave us everything we needed. But wars and hatred and revenge. Another what God is called Sophia. And this is the God of wisdom. And that's simply just substituting what man has to think against what God has to say. Are we there? Are we there in the world today? We sure are. 30,000 denominations with one Bible, one God, one, one Jesus, and one Holy Ghost, and 30,000 denominations. Why? Because man wants what man wants. And then they call it godly wisdom. Baal worship. We know about Baal. He's in the Bible. We hear about him in the Bible. 
Baal, he's pro-choice. The only difference in them in the day, they killed the babies after they were born. We're killing them today before they're born. All because we got a choice. We don't want to be bothered with a baby. Let me tell you something. Stay out of the back seat of the car and out of the bedroom if you ain't supposed to. You don't want a baby. You know what not to do. Because you made your choice the minute that that happened. And it's called murder. That's what Baal worship brings. Homosexuality, that comes from Baal worship. Adam and Steve are not husband and wife. And whoever rhymes with Eve, well, ladies ain't, ain't that either. It's not meant to be that way. One man, one woman, one marriage. Whenever they got off of that in the Old Testament, what happened? Trouble came. I preached it to you last week. Trouble came to that line of people. Why? Because, well, they thought it was okay. Oh, my goodness. Baal worship, and this is the big one. The Hebrew children invited Baal worship into their country and into their society. And Baal worship was simply this. It was thinking that Baal worship and God worship could coexist. Does that sound familiar? Does it? All these things that I just talked about, they had those problems then. We got them now. They just got different names maybe attached to them. But to think that Baal worship, you see, that says I can get Jesus in my heart and live how I want. Well, let me ask you something. If that's the case, why do we got churches? Why do we got a Bible? Why do we pray? I had faith to believe he came into my heart, but I don't want to have faith for him to change me. So if I don't have to worry about nothing, then why do we waste our time this morning? I could have been fishing. Sounds very familiar. You see, we need continual repentance. You say, well, preacher, I repented the day I got saved. Well, so did I. And I've done a whole lot of repentance since then. And you know what? If time lasts and I stay in the Word of God and keep growing, there's going to be a lot more repentance coming down my road. You know what I'm talking about? Going to be a lot more coming down our road. Look at yourself, look at your neighbor and say, you got more coming. There's going to be more repentance coming. There's going to be more of what God's going to take us to. You see, you look around you this morning, there may be somebody in here that's wronged you. Or maybe they did right by you, but you perceived it as wrong. Look around you this morning. You see, that's what he's talking about. You don't want to lose out and not maintain your spiritual walk. It's a place of victory. That's what we don't want and that's what the devil brings to us and he brings it to us all the time. Maybe they did wrong you. That's possible. Let me look around you. Within the next week, within the next month, within the next year, within the next 10 years of time lasts, somebody in here, and it probably will be me because I'm up here and Oh, you know, I'm, I'm under the microscope. But somebody is going to offend you. They're going to hurt your feelings. But we've already learned what to do, ain't we, Brother Danny? Didn't we learn what to do about that? That's going to happen. 
But whenever we get to the place that we can have this kind of hatred among brothers and sisters and this kind of division that happens like that, friends, let me let you, I'm going to let you down easy, as easy as I can. It's called Baal worship and God worship. And they cannot, they will not, they never will coexist. It's either God or nothing. Don't let the devil fool you. Because he'll try to. And he will, he'll do the best he can to take us down. Baal worship. You see, Joshua 24, 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. Because see, they done told him, Well, we're going to do all this. But God said, Now you better rewarn them. By the way, we can look after Joshua's time and figure out the warnings that they had. They did not heed. Israel went through a whole bunch of junk for a lot of different times, a lot of different generations, all because they turned their back on God. They tried to have Baal worship. They tried to end, let this come in a little bit so we could look and seem godly. Those are called hypocrites, by the way. We learned that in Sunday school this morning, didn't we, Brother Randy? For he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm, do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Friends, keep your guard up. The devil's coming and he's trying to take you away. You see, just because things seem to be peaches and cream doesn't necessarily mean that it's going good. We've learned in the fruit of the Spirit that God is long-suffering. He's patient. Just because God ain't doing something now, you ain't dealing with something now, doesn't mean that you're sitting in the right place. It comes out of this. Maybe you was down on your luck. Maybe your company closed down. Maybe all these kinds of things happen, and all of a sudden, you got all kinds of time for God. And you need God. We see it all the time. People need God, and they need to come here. This is where you come. You come and receive from Him. But just as quick as life starts looking good, then God don't have time no more. And the key here is He's long-suffering. He's patient. And we say, well, I must be good with God. I'm doing, I'm serving, I'm here, da 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 And then one day the bottom falls out and you say, what in the world happened? It's the same thing that happened before you found him and all this good was coming along. That's what it's telling us here. Sometimes he'll turn around. And we need to understand that. And that just simply means instead of walking here, we choose to walk down here. All because we want to feed the flesh. All because we're looking for something that will tickle our ears and says, well, I'm still a Christian. Well, if you don't like the mess, you don't like the busyness of life, you don't like all the things that's going on, it's time to start praying and fasting and find out what God wants to do. We're coming up on a fast that is an annual fast for the Church of God of Prophecy, but I'm going to give you forewarning so you can get fattened up over Thanksgiving and Christmas. We ain't stopping in 21 days. We need God in this house, and we need God in our lives. And some things only go out by prayer and fasting. All these things I mentioned, these are devils. And some only go out by prayer and fasting. And it's time that we have a fast. And it's coming. Devil, you be forewarned. This church is going to start praying and fasting. And we're going to see God's glory come in. And we're going to see him work miracles. We're going to see him doing things in our lives 
And you know what? When I ask for a testimony, somebody's going to get up and say something they won't say today, but I'm telling you, after the deliverance happens, after all these things happen, you'll be glad to tell everybody just what God did for you. Amen? That's where we're headed. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. So fatten up. I've had Pastor Appreciation Month. Miss Geraldine, if I don't die with a heart attack with all that baloney before then, God bless you and thank you for it. It sure was good. Oh, yeah. Fried up about that thick. Mm. And then we got Thanksgiving coming. We got Christmas coming. You know, we do all the eating. We do all the things. And those are good things. Don't get me wrong. We need to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We need to celebrate Thanksgiving and remember what we're thanking God for. That's okay. When that season is over, we're going to fast and pray. I want to see your hands right now if you're sold out for that. You want to, you want to fast and pray? Because if you don't want to fast and pray, friend, look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I really don't want no change. That's exactly what has to happen. See, God tells us in his word to put these things away. That means I wake up every morning, renew your minds daily. Every morning, you, I wake up, you wake up, and those little, those little devils that had a hold of us before we got saved and trying to creep back in our life, if you don't renew your mind daily, there's going to be a chink in the armor. Is the scripture coming together now? We're talking about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. You get a little chink in the armor, a little crack in the armor. Let me tell you something. The devil and those little gods, those little demons, those little devils, they're going to try to come back in and tear down. Therefore, we got to renew our mind daily. Devil, you ain't coming into my house. That wrecked my life for, for six months or whatever, and I'm not allowing it to come in again. Now, I can't do it on my own, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can get on my knees and say, God, this is coming on me again, and I need it to go. I need it to go because the devil's trying to destroy me. He's trying to take me from walking up here with Jesus to where I'm walking on the low ground. And you know what? It takes some prayer. It might take some confessing. It might take the talking to your friends and saying, I need you to help me pray. You see, real Christians don't worry about that. Real Christians ain't going to knock each other down. Real Christians are going to go to the throne room of God, and they're going to be fighting for one another. That's what it means. That's how we maintain our spiritual walk. But you see, if we don't do that, otherwise we forfeit that promise. And if I give you life and give it to you more abundantly.